0: on local now channel 525 Grace Church real people real lives Grace Church real lives real change Grace
1: Church real people real lives real change Hello and welcome to Grace for today. You can always visit us online at gracechurchva.org to hear this message and much more. Let's join Dr. Greer for today's teaching.
0: We all say Amen. Open your Bibles to John, the book of John, chapter 8, beginning with the first verse. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is the home of the Garden of Gethsemane. This was the place Jesus liked to pray, the the place he would intensely go to to get away and be alone with, with the Father. It's important to note here that Jesus chose time to take or he chose to take time to pray and here's what I've learned in my life if we don't pray before we kind of worry later so if we follow the footsteps of Jesus we can always be ahead of of the eight ball you know I have found that you know, I say, you know, sometimes I feel like I don't have enough time to pray as long as I need to. But, you know, first of all, God doesn't always need a whole lot of time. He, he just needs uh, uh, enough time for us to prioritize uh, our moments with him. But what I found if, if I don't spend that 10, 15 minutes, that sometimes, you know, it is an hour or, or even longer. But the short of it is, is if, if I don't spend that, that 10 or 15 minutes, I end up having to spend a couple hours trying to fix the mistakes I made that if I would have prayed, I wouldn't have made them in the first place. So prayer is actually one of the best investments you can make uh, with your time. Now, early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Jesus was the first to come to church and the last to leave church. Uh, And this is the way we demonstrate our our love for God by serving uh, God's people. And all the people came to him. Now, some people came out of curiosity. Others came out of genuine love. But John Wesley says something important here. He says, light yourself on fire with passion for God, and people will come and watch you burn. And Jesus was on fire for God. And because of that, people came from everywhere to to hear what he had to say. And then it went on and said, and he sat down and taught them. When you study the scriptures, you'll find that Jesus taught more than any other one thing he did throughout of his ministry even more than the miracles more than he preached you'd find him teach why because that was actually the greatest need of the people you see people can only do better after they know better so jesus understood where the real needs were so he got in people's ear time after time to to direct and instruct let's see what hosea says about this actually He enlarges upon it just a little bit. This is the inspired text. He said this, my people, these are the people that God loves. And he was speaking for God as a prophet. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Knowledge. He didn't say that people are sometimes slightly disadvantaged or, you know, just a little bit behind because, you know what? Their lack of knowledge. That, That wasn't at all what he said. The Hebrew literally reads that God's people are ruined. For not keeping God's word in the forefront of their minds. You see, it's not enough to be right in your hearts. We also have to get it right in our heads. Very, very important. Then he continued. He said, because you have rejected me, I also will reject you from being a priest for me. You see, the real reason for the lack of knowledge in the nation was a lack of ministry. And in that day, he spoke to the priests. But if it was today, he'd be speaking to the pastor. You see, the level of word you sit under will determine the level of anointing you live under. Do you understand? In life, junk in, junk out. And he said, because you have forgotten the law of your God. What happened at this time, you know, they had major doctors, if you will. And everybody would focus on what the leading rabbi had to say about scripture. So they they stopped teaching the scripture. And what they started teaching were the opinions of men. And the whole ministry, the whole time of of teaching was so-and-so said, so-and-so said, so-and-so said. And they lost sight of scripture. You know, I'm very interested and and I've learned a lot. I've read his books, you know, what St. Augustine said. I learned a lot from what John Calvin said. I've I learned what, uh, from, from what Martin Luther said. You know, it's even a little bit interesting what, what the Pope has to say. But you know what's most important? What God has to say. And we can read about what the American Association of Psychologists has to say. We can, we can read about what the teaching unions have to say. And we, we have, you know, the world is saying all types. The Washington Post has something to say. New York Times has something to say. Huffington Post has something to say. But what does God have to say? about that issue. They said, because you have forgotten the law of your God, I also will forget your children. That's tough. But the consequence mirrored the offense. You will get out of your relationship with God in proportion to what you put into your relationship with God. If, If I Come to church with this attitude, Lord. I'm gonna give you a thimbleful. You know, Lord, just be happy. I'm here, by the way, and and and, and uh, you know, you, you ought to just clap about that. And, and this is what I give you. Now, what's amazing about God is we give Him a thimbleful; He'll give us a cupful. Because God, we can't beat God giving. God is faithful. He's kind. He's merciful. But this is the way we want to do it. We want to come to church with this attitude, Lord. I give you all I have. And Jesus said, what measure you meet shall be measured back to you. So the proportion you give to God is the proportion you will get back. So when you, we didn't, we, by the way, we couldn't find a pool large enough to really reflect this. But the point is, when you come to God with everything, God will give you a swimming pool. Do you understand what I'm saying? I mean, you, you, you'll be over your head with the blessing of God, the provision of God, the relationship with God, but it's according to how much you put in. So if you only invest a little bit of time, don't be surprised by the little bit you get back and, and the little bit you understand of the word. Because you made a little bit of an investment to understand. Back to John 8 and 3. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. How many in this room, the first service flat out lied. No, no one lifted their hand when I asked this question. But how many in this room know a little something about the birds and the bees? Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Now, those of us that know just a little bit about the birds and the bees, we could kind of do the, the arithmetic here. How do you catch a woman in the act of adultery without catching the man? We know from the outset, something's not right. (laughs) So Jesus is going to address a lot of things, obviously, when he deals with this situation. And when they had set her in the midst, this woman was probably half dressed, pulled out, kicking and screaming. And. Maybe a little bit bruised for, for them them grabbing her and, and pressing her and making her come out into public. But I, I'll tell you something. I, I kind of like this woman just a little bit. You know why? Because at least what she was doing, she did in private. You see, today we have parades for immorality. Today we'll put it on the front of a magazine cover and celebrate it. But at least this woman had enough sense to try to do it where it couldn't be seen. I knew I wouldn't get a whole lot there. (laughs) And they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Many scholars say that the reason they didn't bring the man was because the man was really one of them. Yes. And what's amazing about human nature, you know, if, if one of us do it, you know, it's understandable. You know, if it's my child, my friend, you know, you know it's, 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 given the circumstances, you know, I, you know, you came from where they came from. But if someone else does it to you, oh man, you want the entire book of law, you want them under the jail, not just in jail. You want them to pay for life. And this, Was the way it was then as well. Verse five, they bring this woman, and now they're going to act like they're going to teach Jesus the Word. (laughs) Jesus is the Word. But it's like they're going to school him and lecture him on what the Bible has to say. They said, Well, now, Jesus, uh, Moses. Says in the law, or Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. Here's the thing that was true. The problem was it was only half true. How many of you know that a half true can be as harmful as a whole lie? Yes. The challenge here is some of us only know half the Bible, we only know half the word, and that's the half we like. That's the half that suits us, people like us. But half the truth can do more damage than a whole lie. So let's take a look at this scripture more closely. Let's take a look at exactly what Moses said. He said, if a man is found lying with a woman married to a husband, then both of them shall die. Did anybody read both of them? Moses knew human nature. Let me spell this out by continuing the verse so nobody can misunderstand or misconstrue what I'm saying here. He said, the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so you shall put away evil from Israel. By the way, Moses called it what? Evil. Evil. Yeah. It wasn't just something that happened. It was evil. You call it what? Evil. Evil. You see, based on the law of Moses, the Pharisees and the scribes were actually in violation of the law by only bringing the woman. When Jesus, in a few moments, decides not to prosecute her, it's not to abrogate the law. He was protecting the law against hypocrisy, the misuse of the law. Now, see, the problem is someone else taught you this. And they taught you half this message. And because of it, you got a whole lie. Jesus was not against the law. He came to fulfill the law of Moses. I'm preaching good, even though y'all acting like I'm just talking up here. Jesus was nobody's fool. Jesus wouldn't let himself be played by these religious leaders. John 8 and 5. So it said, now, now Jesus, Moses in the law, and we just read the law, commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? See, the real situation, they didn't really care what he, what he had to say. This whole scenario was set up to trap him. They knew Jesus loved sinners. He knew he would eat with sinners. He, he'd heal sinners. He'd, he, he'd bless sinners. And they were like, you know what? I'm going to use this because we're going to set it up where you got to disagree with Moses. Because we know that you're not going to pick up a rock. But, but here's the deal. When you live your life trying to set traps for people, you're going to find yourself in a trap yourself. yourself. So, so that's what happens here. They said this testing him. See, they weren't looking for answers. They were just looking for excuses and and all the rest. That they might have something to accuse him should be of. But I want you to notice, Jesus didn't say a word. Instead, he stooped down. This is important. Because God is willing to stoop down when it means lifting us higher. God will come down to whatever level you are on and wherever you are to lift you up higher so and two jesus loved the woman and these these pharisees because he's about to reach both so he stooped down and jesus wrote on the ground with his finger and he was like y'all want to play in the dirt y'all want to bring up people's dirt we can get in the dirt if you want to get in the dirt He wrote on the ground with his finger as though he didn't hear them. This was hardcore. This is just a little bit gangster as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> he completely ignored them. Yes. But aren't you happy? that? And thank God that Jesus sometimes has ignored some of the stupid things we have said in life. Yeah. So when they continued asking him, this is important, you know, timing is everything. Jesus waited until they insisted. He he, he waited till they pushed hard enough. So after pushing, they couldn't respond and say, well, 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 Lord, I didn't really mean it. Uh, I was just playing. No, no. He made them push and insist. So they would all have their butts hanging out. And when they had their butts hanging out, he can point to it and use it as a lesson. I don't know why God called me to preach either, but y'all got the picture. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up. And he said to them, here's in in, in essence what he said. Okay, stone her. Stone her. But here are the conditions. This verse I'm going to read to you from Psalms. is very, very important. Let's read it. Psalms 18, 26. And you're going to understand something about God, perhaps, maybe you you never saw before. He says, with the pure God. You will show yourself pure If you're really seeking answers God will make sure you find them. He's just that type of God But if you're playing games God also knows how to play He said and with the devious You will show yourself shrewd God knows how to play hardball You see we think we're street wise. God is all wise You have to remember, you know, God has, he had all of eternity past to think about everything he has done or will do. You might get 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years if you're lucky, but compared to eternity, to process. I mean, you are absolutely no match for the wisdom of God. 8 and 7. He said... Yet he who is without sin among you. Now, this is important. I want you to notice he called it what it was. Sin. Mm-hmm. He, he, didn't, he didn't, you know, do what people do today. He called it what it was. Yeah. Yeah. But then what he did, he wanted to also deal, he wanted to deal with the, the, the sin, but he also wanted to deal with democracy. So what he did is he, he shifted the focus from the woman On to the people and cause them to have to examine themselves. You see, it's easy to see everybody else's fault. But every time you point the finger, remember, four fingers point back at you. He said, he who is without what? Sin. Sin. Among you. Let him throw a stone at her first. So what they had done is they grabbed this woman, singled her out, dragged her into public... And she's all by herself. And Jesus flipped the tables and he was like, okay, any one of you without sin, I want you to be the, the whole crowd, you need to step out of the crowd. You need to be the first one to take up a rock. And we're going to mark this because we know how you live. There are people that live in your house, your neighborhood, your community. So when you judge this woman, you, I don't want the, I want no mob mentality. Just like she was individually dragged out, I want you to individually come forward and you pick up the first stone now when jesus started writing in the dirt now this is you know this this is all Derek greer this is not bible but 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 this is what i think i imagine him writing actually the ten commandments in the dirt and the first time he went down he wrote the first tablet but here's the deal the ten commandments in hebrew are in alphabetical order And to the Hebrew mind, when you do the alphabet in that way, they understood exactly what you're referring to because that was a a way, in short, you know, like RSVP. You know, that stands for something. Uh, But whatever it stands for, you know what it means. So when he's writing these initials, and maybe he wrote the whole thing out, first thing he did was write the first tablet. Then he got up. But then it says he stooped down and wrote again on the ground. I believe he started writing the, the second tablet. And by the time he got to the 10th commandment, he wrote, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Uh-oh. Her sin and the men's sin in that circle may have been a little bit different. But all of them were guilty before God. And when jesus wrote that last one everybody started running from stones (laughs) because they knew watch what it says verse nine then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one this is why jesus came to seek and to save the lost he was to make our shame and everything that belittles go away. That that is who is like this woman today that you have some things in your life you, you wish would just go away? Things you said, things you've done, places you've gone. I remember moments in my life, Lord, just make it go away. Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Each of her accusers walked away. From the oldest problem to the newest. And God can deal with every issue of shame and embarrassment. From the oldest to the youngest, if you let them. My God is that way. He said, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. You see, age and experience has a way of tempering our self-righteousness. You want to live long enough so that you know you're not better than anyone else. But you also want to live long enough and, and have enough experience in life and, and wisdom to also know there's no one else like you in the whole globe. Right. So I'm no better than nobody, but nobody's like me. And that, that's a truth that God wants to release into all of our hearts. Then it says, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. This is actually a picture of what perfect peace is looks like the moments where god drives out all the condemning voices all all the the damning and and putting down it's completely silenced and the only voice you hear ringing in your ears is the voice of jesus and when jesus has raised himself up and saw no one but the woman you see the purpose of the law the bible is clear about this is to condemn self-righteousness. The law was designed to show you that you're a sinner. Yeah. But Jesus came so, so that once you uh, repent and, and come to that realization, he came that you could be fully forgiven and pardoned. So the law was used, and that's why I think he was writing the law down uh, in, in the dirt, to show those self-righteous men that they were as much a sinner as the woman that they dragged out of that, that, that room. But I want you to watch how he, he, he deals with the woman who knew she was a sinner. Absolute grace. Jesus was hardest on the Pharisees because they, they thought they were better than everybody. So he had to show them how messed up they were. But those who recognized they were sinners, he had a much better time with. In fact, he enjoyed their company better. How many of you enjoy the company of somebody living in a delusion? Where they think they're more than they are? He said, no, no, I'd rather be people that know they're a mess. They ain't lying about being a mess. That's where I want to be. But, but watch it. We see in the Bible, he's hardest against the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's hardest with the self-righteous. So if you've ever asked God, why are you so hard on me? Maybe he's trying to show you something. It's when when I realize, you know what, Lord, I have nothing to bring to you, nothing to give to you. Without you, God, I can do nothing, I am nothing. Lord, I am sorry, God, I messed up. God, I, I can't fix it, I can't clean this up. Lord, I come just at the mercy of your grace. And when you come to him, admitting your need, that's when, when Jesus can deal with you the way he deals with this woman. But to the hard hearted, he got to keep showing them they they sin, showing them they're wrong because of their self righteousness. But if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, the Bible said he will lift you up. He said, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? See, when it's just you and Jesus, there's no condemnation.
1: We pray you were blessed by today's teaching. Bishop and Pastor Greer also invite you to worship with us here at Grace Church on Sunday or Wednesday. We are just minutes from Potomac Mills and Quantico Marine Base. For a full list of service times, directions, free downloads, and more, visit us at gracechurchva.org. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Grace Church VA. That's Grace Church VA. We look forward to seeing you here at Grace Church, where we are real people with real lives, experiencing real change. Grace Church and Derek Grimm Ministries thanks all of our friends and partners for your commitment and loving support. Your giving helps us continue to reach people and change lives all over the world. And together, we are making a difference. Join us in the Word again tomorrow, here on Grace for Today. Grace Church, real people, real lives, real change.